You're listening to another episode of Living Well with Eisenhower Health. Healthcare as it should be. Here's Bill Klaproth. Gynecologic cancer is any cancer that starts in a woman's reproductive organs. So what do you need to know? Here to talk about cancers of the female reproductive system is Dr. Mark Jennison, a gynecologic oncologist at Eisenhower Lucy Kersey Cancer Center. Dr. Jennison, thank you so much for your time today. Let me start with this. Are all women at risk for gynecologic cancer? All women actually are, are at risk for gynecologic cancer, Bill. And fortunately, you know, we have now for over a generation had strategies to identify and uh, and and intervene with certain early abnormalities. For instance, with cervical cancer and Pap smear screening work, we can identify patients who are destined to eventually get cancer and preempt the cancer by identifying it in its earliest phases of evolution before it becomes a cancer, um, treat it and keep the cancer from occurring, or in the case of cervical cancer now, we can avail ourselves of vaccine strategies that have been able to identify the source and cause of most cervical cancers, and by having having patients vaccinated during a certain window um, in their development, we can actually prevent those patients from ever getting cervical cancer. We can develop future strategies moving forward for our other cancers. Dr. Jennison, so how would a woman know if she's at a higher risk for gynecologic cancer? It's a great question, and a lot of attention has been addressed on this issue over the last 30 years. We've done a pretty good job with cervical cancer, not as good a job with ovarian cancer because it doesn't lend itself to easy diagnosis. However, the good news is that we do know that a significant percentage of women who develop ovarian cancer do have symptoms of unexplained abdominal pain, more specifically commonly lower abdominal pain, change in in their voiding function and urination, and or changes in their bowel habits that persist for more than several weeks at a time. Any of those symptoms should trigger a visit to a woman's healthcare provider for further assessment. So those are the classic signs and symptoms a woman should be looking for? For ovarian cancer in particular, uh, yes. In addition to that, sometimes a change in appetite or ability to tolerate food, um, filling up easily are other signs that the cancer may be more significant. In terms of endometrial cancers, any abnormal bleeding in women over the age of as they as they age over the age of 35, any heavy periods that persist over time or unscheduled bleeding should prompt an evaluation by their woman's health care provider. And any woman after the menopause who has any bleeding at all um, should direct their attention to being evaluated. And with that strategy for endometrial cancer, we're able to diagnose most endometrial cancers and or their precursors early on so that interventions are very productive. And how are these reproductive cancers diagnosed then? So in, in general, we recommend that patients, you know, have regular uh, well women exams that would include an examination uh, of their of their abdomen, a pelvic exam, um, when indicated based on vetted national guidelines that we now have incorporating pap smear screening um, are the, the most important strategies from the standpoint of prevention and early detection, counseling patients um, and their parents about the advantages of of HPV vaccination is really important in terms of preventing cervical cancer and uh, 
And then for patients who have symptoms with persistent unexplained lower abdominal discomfort, change in their bowel or bladder function, or something that's not quite right on a pelvic exam that might tell you there might be a mass present, usually a follow-up pelvic ultrasound is indicated. For patients, again, with endometrial cancer potential, we recommend, again, they undergo an evaluation. They can then, if they're having bleeding that's unexplained uh, under appropriate circumstances, have a simple office biopsy that's usually well-tolerated uh, or and or they can undergo a, an ultrasound procedure for older women that will sometimes triage the need for that office biopsy. And then when indicated in old-fashioned DNC can be useful, which is now supplemented by something called a hysteroscopy, where we place a scope into the endometrial cavity to look more specifically for any particular areas that might cause their bleeding. And Dr. Jennison, can you talk about the types of cancers of the female reproductive system that you may see most and the type that you operate on? Certainly happen to, happy to. So, the most common gynecologic cancer is endometrial cancer. Over 40, 45,000 women in the United States every year develop endometrial cancer. It's about one in 50 women. Um, because women tend to get bleeding of some sort that's abnormal on their radar screen early in the course of that disease, we cure about three quarters of those patients who come to us with those early symptoms because we've caught their tumor at an early phase in its development. For, um, for ovarian cancer, um, we, we again, tr try to uh, screen for patients who might be at risk based on family history. So if a woman is identified through her family history at being at risk for ovarian cancer, we, we are able to get those patients screened, counseled, and then tested if appropriate. And if they test positive, we have several interventions that we know can lead to a remarkable reduction in their lifetime risk of ovarian cancer from anywhere from roughly about 50% to less than 1%. And Dr. Jennison, can you tell us about the da Vinci robotic surgery system as one way of providing minimally invasive surgeries? Yeah, that's actually a great, great, great topic. We've had remarkable improvement in our ability to tailor patients' particular interventions and treatments to their particular circumstance. And the robotic-assisted laparoscopic approach to staging for endometrial cancer in particular has allowed us to perform procedures with the same ability to provide curative intent at times with less, uh, less hospitalization and decreased discomfort for the patient as well as less blood loss, less incidence of side effects like blood clots while providing the same goal of curative intent and a thorough assessment of the patient's disease status. It's allowed us to perform more of these procedures laparoscopically than we could without the assistance of the robotic platform. It certainly has enhanced our ability to improve the quality of life for our patients who are undergoing these procedures compared with the previous approaches, which required a larger incision. So many benefits all the way around. It sounds like certainly on that recovery time, it seems like the minimally invasive surgery would really enhance that. And Dr. Jennison, you're one of the only physicians in the Coachella Valley offering expertise and a narrow focus on gynecologic cancers. Can you tell us how having someone with your experience benefits patients on their quality of life, uh, survival and risk of occurrence, uh, future fertility, sexual function, et cetera? Yeah, the, the last the last 30 years have been characterized by gynecologic oncologists trying to improve access to women 
who have either need for complicated gynecologic surgery or gynecologic cancers. And the Coachella Valley was a great example of that. Back in the 1990s, women who had uh, an endometrial cancer or an ovarian cancer would either be operated on here by by a non-gynecologic oncologist with a gynecologist, a general surgeon, urologist, well-intended as they were, none of whom had focused expertise and 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 and, and training uh, to specifically address these issues. So I was recruited here in 1999 as a collaborative effort uh, together with the directors at the time of the programs at Scripps, Hogue, um, USC, the former directors at UCLA, Cedar Sinai, uh, former directors at Sea of Hope, etc. And and I was charged with developing the same services here that patients would get if they drove two hours into the city. What we had found before my arrival was most of those patients weren't driving into the city, or if they were, it was an, an added burden. So collaboratively with the uh, local institutions, we were able to develop the background and environment within which I was able to develop the uh, same services that patients would be provided if they went into the city. Um, we do know from several studies that have been done that, especially with ovarian cancer, that treatment by a specialist with formal training and board certification in, in gynecologic oncology does have a positive effect on overall outcomes. So our goal has been and will continue to be to provide the same care here in the Coachella Valley um, without patients having to drive two hours to a major university medical center. So tremendous benefits to the community and all of the things you just mentioned there. And earlier you were talking about wellness checks. I just wanted to recircle back with you on that. So if you could tell us why wellness checks are important for women and why they should speak to their doctor if they notice pains or other symptoms that are not normal for them, instead of writing them off, why they should speak to their doctor. Bill, that's a, a great great question, very important. We still in medicine today do so much better at identifying patients at risk for problems and, and then attempting to adapt their course so that they avoid a problem before it becomes a more troubling and challenging issue to deal with. And so early evaluation, prevention of these diseases, and or early detection will allow us to impact on patient care remarkably. We've known for many years that over half of the cancers, 50% of the cancers in the United States that occur every year, we could prevent with the knowledge and technology that we've had available for over 15 years. We could simply have patients engage the system for the prevention and early detection strategies and healthy living with diet and exercise interventions that we know are, are remarkably useful and that enhance patients' overall wellness. So you mentioned prevention there a couple of times. Are there prevention strategies that women should use? The most important prevention strategy is prioritizing your health, body, mind, and spirit, and then having a healthcare provider who you know and trust who follows evidence-based guidelines for healthcare maintenance and then implements appropriate detection and prevention strategies. It's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing for us all to stop out of our busy days and remind ourselves that we can be healthier, happier, and better contributors to our communities when we're at the top of our game. And we can all be at the best in the top of our game when we treat our health as, as a priority. That's all great information. And thank you so much for your time today, Dr. Jennison. To find a gynecologist and for helpful tip sheets for every stage of a woman's life, visit women.eisenhowerhealth.org. That's women.eisenhowerhealth.org. This is Living Well with Eisenhower Health. I'm Bill Klaproth. Thanks for listening.